This is all in part three. I'm going to read our text, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. We've been reading some familiar passages of Scripture out of the message translation, which is a paraphrase, and uh, it's incredible in just shedding like a little more light on the scripture or helping us see it from a different point of view. First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 says, you've all been to the stadium and seen the athletes race. Everyone runs and one wins. Run to win. If we could just bottle up all of the series into one phrase, it would be this, run to win. That in this race of life, in the things that God's called you to do, don't just participate. Don't just attend. Run to win. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after one that is gold eternally. I want you to know that the race that God has for you is a race that is not just an occupation or a skill set or a specific job. The race that God has for you is obedience and surrender to whatever he has for your life. So your race looks different than my race. My race looks different than someone else's race. It's each of us in obedience and surrender to God. In the beginning of the series, we talked about no participation trophies, which I hopefully set some of you free that believe in participation, because, because you, you got to earn things in life, all right? And, and so we talked about this. In the kingdom of God, there's not participation trophies. We're glad you're here. We're glad you're attending, but we can't just run the race to run it. We're running it to win. There's a reason that we do what we do as a church. There's a reason that God asks us to do what he's asking us to do in the scripture. we got to run this thing to win. We talked about no participation trophies. We talked about last week, no quitters. No quitters. Hebrews chapter 12 12 says, in this running, do not quit. I'm going to tell you this, and we've said this all the time, if you don't quit, you win. Longevity is underrated. If you give yourself to obedience and you give yourself to surrender, it's only a matter of time before you win. Most people give up too soon before God breaks through in their life. They stop praying too soon. They stop contending too soon. They, they stop standing too soon. Well, God, the whole time, is working. If you read the Old Testament, it's actually pretty discouraging. Because you're going to find that in Americanized Christianity, we can't wait 40 minutes. But a lot of times in the Old Testament, they're waiting 40 years. You know, it's like, thank God we're in the New Testament. And uh, I mean, for real, we will pray for something for, for 40 minutes. And, and it's like, well, I guess God didn't answer. And, man, now he's kind of disappointed me. I mean, Moses is out there in the wilderness for 40 years over and over again. When people contended for promise, Hebrews chapter 11, the whole of faith, it says that these people believed God and they died without seeing the fulfillment to the promise. This, This is how big God is. They died, but the promise was still fulfilled just after their lifetime. Think about this. How many people give up on believing in God because they didn't see it with their own eyes and God was still working on their behalf and they didn't even know it? That's what the hall of faith was, is these people got a promise, they died believing it, even after they died, God fulfilled it. God's word does not return void. If God promises something, he is going to make good on that promise. Today I want to, I want to conclude the series by going to Philippians, the book of Philippians chapter 2. This is Paul's letter that he writes to the church at Philippi, and it is an, it, I love the book of Philippians. It's full of instructional um, advice for the church, but I want you to look at chapter 2 in the message translation, ch- starting in verse 12. It says, what I'm getting at, friends, 
is that you should simply keep on doing what you've been doing from the beginning. Don't quit. Keep doing what you've been doing. When I was living among you, you lived in responsive obedience. Now that I'm separated from you, keep it up. Better yet, redouble your efforts. He's saying again, run to win. Be energetic in your life of salvation. Just pause there for a second. Be energetic in your life of salvation. Now, if, you, if, you, if you're able to take your phone out and turn it around and just like do a selfie right now, you should just assess if you're energetic or not. I'm just going to tell you, I'd rather be around energetic people than dead people. I just, as a church, we just kind of made a decision. If it's going to be loud or it's going to be quiet, we're going to err on the side of loud. If it's going to be energetic or boring, we're going to err on the side of energetic. I'm like, well, I kind of like the boring side. Then there's other churches. I mean, we're not offended, but like, we're not, we're not going to boring. We're not going to dead. We're not going to quiet. Then, we're energetic, full of life, full of faith, full of hope. It's way more fun that way. Be energetic in your life of salvation, reverent and sensitive before God. Now listen to this. That energy is God's. This is not hype. That energy is, this is passion. This is commitment. This is unction. This is belief. That energy is God's energy, an energy deep within you. God himself willing and working at what will give him the most pleasure. Do everything readily and cheerfully. Now listen to this. This, this is in your Bible, okay? So just, just take it for what it says. No bickering. Just stop it. Not your kids, you. No second guessing allowed. Trust God. Go out into the world uncorrupted. A breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. Anybody relate with that right now? Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. Carry the light-giving message into the night so I'll have good cause to be proud of you on the day that Christ returns. You'll be living proof that I didn't go to all this work for nothing. In the NIV, he says, Paul says, that I did not run or labor in vain. No participation trophies, no quitters. Let me say it this way. No wasted effort. This, this is what Paul is saying. He said, if we're going to run... Run to win. He said, I don't want to get to the end of my life and find out that you gave up on the race. Because Paul wasn't happy until he crossed the finish line with other people with him. He wasn't content to finish it by himself. He wasn't content. you got to read the scripture. It doesn't, say, it doesn't say to win. It says run to win. So it's the way that I run. It's not to beat you. I don't run in competition of you. I run my way, my method, my drive, my commitment. My, 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 I'm striving to run to win. It's the way that I run. It's not to win. I'm going to get there before you. Paul was not happy to get to the end of his life and find out that other people had not run the race as well. He says, this thing doesn't matter to me unless you finish as well. Don't let me run in vain. No wasted effort. I, I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't like running in general. I just, I, I'm not a runner. I see these long-distance runners, and I, it looks amazing. You make it look so easy. I just, I, I don't like running. It, it's, I'll, I'll run in sports. I'll run in a race, I'll run to get a desired result, but just to run? I, I never woke up in the morning and thought, you know what? I just feel like running. 
like a gazelle out on the, I just, just run, just wind, hair in the wind. I just never, I never, I never felt like running. Now I'll run to stay in shape. I'll run because of a problem. I'm, I'm not doing no wasted effort. I'm not just going out there to run. Tread, treadmills are annoying, aren't they? Like all that motion, zero progress. Uh, you, can run, you can run as long, as hard as you want, and you are still in the same spot. Probably like a lot of Christians. A lot of religious motion, but no, this is what Paul is trying to say. He's saying, I'm glad that you're running, I'm glad that you're participating, I'm glad that you're here, but but at the end of the day, you've got to run this thing to win. You've got to go all in, and all in does not mean you got something. All in means getting to the end of your life and recognizing, I brought some people with me. We saved our neighbors, we saved our kids, I saved my spouse. That's what Paul's saying. We, I've been studying all week for a funeral that we did yesterday for a lady in, in the church that had passed away, and, and um, it, was, it, was, it was a hard funeral and an easy funeral at the same time, easy because she was a woman of God, and she lived an incredible, exemplary life and gave her life to giving to others. That made it easy. The hard part is she was only 58, so it, 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 it's, it's the tension of, God, why? Because it's too soon, but also the celebration of a life that was, that was given. And as I'm preparing the service, and, and we did it yesterday, and I was sitting thinking about it last night as I was praying for today, I thought, man, she, in 58 years, I don't think she felt like, and she's probably in heaven not thinking that she wasted effort. I think she's probably feeling pretty good because yesterday this place was packed with hundreds and hundreds of people that had been impacted by her life. So she didn't run just so she could be successful. She ran in such a way that others ran. There's marriages that are together because of what she did. There are people that are serving Jesus because of the investment of her life into theirs. There's people that were encouraged because of midnight phone calls that she she took because she was committed to giving her life away. No, No wasted effort. I'm concerned that in our pursuit of Americanized Christianity and comfort and pleasure is that we have a lot of motion but no progress. And we have a lot of people that have ran a race, but they run it for the wrong reasons and for the wrong person. They run it for themselves, and they run it for comfort, or they run towards peace. And this is what Paul's saying. He said it's wasted if you finish by yourself. It's, it's, it's wasted if you don't Cause someone else to run with you. It's interesting, it says in verse 13, the NIV, it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You know what this is saying? It says, work out whose salvation? Yours. It's ownership. you got to work out. Your faith journey is your responsibility. It's not your pastors. It's not your parents. It's not your children. It's not your spouse. Your faith your responsibility. That means it's your responsibility to grow. It's your responsibility to study. I'm here to help you. I'm here to stomp on your toes, to coach you, to scream at you a little bit. But it's your job to grow. You can take the best coach with an athlete that doesn't want to perform, and he can do nothing with them. You can, if you take a great coach with a great athlete that wants to be coached, the athlete can be great. As believers, this is what Paul is saying. He says you got to take ownership over your faith. Have you looked at it? Have you, have, you went all, have you ever went all in on your faith? 
Have you ever went all in on this commitment to Jesus? Have you ever gone all in on believing His Word and believing His promise? It says, do everything readily and cheerfully. No bickering, no second guessing allowed. In the NIV it says, stop complaining. Now I want you to think about this for a second. We're talking about running the race to win, finishing well, no wasted effort. And Paul throws in no complaining? You would think you'd say, get away from sin. Get away from the gross things of the world. He says, stop complaining and stop grumbling. He's very clear on what he's communicating. He says, I want you, I want you to be an example to those people that are around you. I want, I'm going to tell you this. Your example matters. And Paul says this, follow me as I follow Christ. This is what Paul knew. If you followed him, you would get to Jesus. He says, you can follow me. Pray like I pray. Believe like I believe. Have faith like I have faith. Follow me. Follow him. Let me just ask you this question. If people followed you, where would they end up? If they followed you, would they go to church? How often would they go to church? If they followed you, would they read your Bible? Would they read the Bible? Would they pray? Would they walk in fear of faith? If they followed you, what kind of Christian would they become? What kind of marriage would they have? What kind of kids would they raise? If they this is what Paul said, follow me. I mean, this is pretty arrogant or confident. But he's, he was confident of this. If you followed him, you would get to Christ. And this is what he's saying in Philippians. The letter is at Philippi. He says, you got to stop complaining. you got to stop grumbling. People are watching you. You're an example. You are the light in the world. This is what it says later in the passage. We read it. It says, carry the light-giving message into the night. So I'll have good cause to be proud of you on the day that Christ returns. We are called to be the light in this dark world. I'll read it to you. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. It says, let me tell you why you are here. You ever wondered why you're here? You ever wondered why you're on the planet? You ever wondered why you were born in the time you were born in? says, let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. I'm just reading it. Okay, I didn't, before you get mad at me, I just, I'm reading. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this. As public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. And now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt People to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. You want to know why you're here? You're here to be salt and to be light. We are here to be salt and to be light. This is not a protective building to keep us away from the world. This is an empowering center to make sure you go into the world as light and salt. You're supposed to be the light in this dark world. You're supposed to be the salt in this polluted world. And I'm worried that in Christendom as a whole, we have, we have, we have become too much like the world. We, I, 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 I talk to pastors all the time, and sometimes 
I'm really discouraged as I talk with them because we become so much like the world. I, I, I talk to Christians all the time, and I'm discouraged about how much like the world that we are. We swear like the world. We hate like the world. We're entertained like the world. We're, and all of these, I'm going to say one of them, and you're like, that's right. And the other one, you're like, I'm not so sure about it, because that's what you do. You just stop excusing you. People watch you. People watch. I, I, I had a friend that tried to get me. He's like, man, I just want, I want to know the real Dustin. Man, just be yourself around me. I'm like, this is the real Dustin. The old Dustin died a long time ago. You don't want the old Dustin. I died with Christ. Now, I died to my flesh. I live to Christ. I live this life by faith in the Son of God. I die daily. I have my flesh. I've got my mistakes. But I'm trying to kill that part of me. I'm trying to kill my flesh. I'm trying to kill the unforgiveness part of me, the bitterness part of me, the selfishness part of me. There's, there's, there's not a church Dustin and a home Dustin. There's not a Christian Dustin and a business Dustin. There's not a different verse. If there is, it's called hypocrisy. I was meeting with a pastor last week, and he began to talk to me about, well, you know, like on my downtime, I like to so what do this and do that. And I said, in love, I said, that sounds like hypocrisy to me. He said, well, well, you know how tough the ministry is. You know, it's tough. It's like sometimes you got to be. I'm like, if it doesn't work for you, how would it ever work for your people? I'm not talking about perfection. I'm talking about understanding that we are salt and light. And we have to continually be an example. If people were to follow your social media accounts, where will they end up? Paul didn't have Twitter. Paul didn't have TikTok, so he said, just follow me as I follow Christ. Now, if they followed us, where would they end up? Where would we lead them? Would we lead them to the gospel, to the good news of Jesus, or would we lead them to a party? Will we lead them to the gospel, or will we lead them to our newest belief? Will we lead them to a gospel, or will we be selling them our new business idea? Where... Where are we leading? I'm not saying any of those things are wrong. I'm just saying, if that's the predominant lead that you're taking, we have a responsibility for people that are following us to be light, to shine. And you know, it's not hard for the lights when they came on to expel the darkness. We just had to turn them on. We, we said, oh, it's so hard to be a witness. It's so hard to evangelize. No, just shine. Just shine. How do you shine? Just be a light. Let the light that Jesus put in you, let it out. Don't hide it. Shine. Keep open house. That's the second thing he said. Keep open. What does that mean? The enemy knows exactly how to close you down. The enemy knows what kind of pain, what kind of trauma, what kind of experience to bring back to your mind to close you down so you won't trust or you won't reach out or you won't step out in faith. And I'm going to tell you that this is the encouragement of Jesus through the Gospels is to shine and to keep your house open. And lastly, to live generously, to be generous with your life. As I was doing this funeral yesterday, I was thinking, how generous this woman was with her life. She had an incredibly difficult life, all kinds of things that probably went through things that we wouldn't even imagine for most of us. Some of you have had some really intense things. I mean, she went through some real pain. I never one time, in all my years of knowing her, I never one time heard her talk about her pain or her experiences or the things she went through. She's consistently giving to others. She was generous with her life. I started thinking, 
to be salt and light. We have to fight to be generous with this life. I was, I was at the bank uh, last week, and, and I had to go in to open a new account. And, and uh, so I was, I was there, and, and uh, the lady that was, that was uh, helping me, she had an injury, like on her knee, and she couldn't walk very good. And I was kind of in a hurry, and um, she had the knee brace on. She kept on having to go to the printer, and it was as painfully slow as you can imagine to get up and go to the printer. I'm like, oh, wow, this is going to be hours. And uh, so I'm there being impatient. But I remember a couple weeks ago, we had a, a campus pastors meeting, and we were talking about evangelism. We said, we, we've got we to get people saved. This, this world is dying and going to hell. We've got to share the gospel. You know what gospel means? Good news. Seems like that wouldn't be that hard to share. It's not like you're giving bad news. Hey, guys, I just want to share you. I got some bad news for you. I mean, no one wants to hear that. I got good news. I got, see, it's not that hard to share. So we started talking about this, and the Holy Spirit began to convict me about having eyes when I'm out in public and around, just like trying to do my stuff and not see the need that's around me. And the Holy Spirit began to reveal to me people all around in my life that need Him. We were fired up in our meeting thinking, we've got to reach the lost. And I, I'm, not, I'm not into the church carousel. You go to there, and then you go to there, and then you go to there. It's called church hopping. People just, in a couple years, you'll be back, and it's like, it's like good to see you again. We have people in the streets that are dying and need Jesus. That need Jesus. So I'm there at Wells Fargo, sitting there, being impatient. And the Holy Spirit begins to speak to me about reaching out to this woman. Well, right, right, right when I'm about to share Jesus with her, she makes this statement about her faith that she is anti-Christian and that she is a part of a different religion. And, and so I'm like, oh, you know, like let the, let the air out of the balloon. Like, oh, no. I was about, I had the faith up. I was ready to share. And they're like, ooh, this is not, not going to be good. And so we finished up and, and I stood up and she could barely get up because of the injury on her knee. And I said, oh, that's it. So I said, um, hey, I'm not trying to embarrass you, but when I pray for people, I pray to God and ask him to heal people, he heals people. He's God, I've seen him do miracles, all kinds of crazy miracles. Can I just take a second and pray for you? Right in the middle of West Fargo, it's packed, people all around. And she goes, yeah, that, that would actually be amazing. I said, okay. And so I prayed just right there, just a short little prayer. Jesus, we know you heal. Will you heal this lady's leg? Now, I wish I could tell you she ripped off the cast, started doing like a Pentecostal dance around Wells Fargo. I, I, I prayed for her, and I left. I could tell, you know, she's looking around. Her manager's watching. So I just prayed and left. I was planting a seed. I want, I want, to, I want to show you a scripture. This is, this is, really, this is really powerful. Now, it's going it's to sound like a little bit. For some of you, it's going to be like, this is, a, this is a big jump. But this is Jesus, okay? This is Jesus speaking. So just, just let it soak in. He says, as you go, or for us, let's just say as you run. Because this is what we've been talking about, going all in. As you run, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Wait for it. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Like that one? You're like, whoa, this is that church? Freely you have received. Freely give. I want to help you. I want to help you. 
This is not like, okay, I've got the demonic ministry. I've got the raising the dead ministry. This is what it says. Proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom is all-encompassing. It means that Jesus has come. Now he sent his Holy Spirit to empower believers, which means anything is possible. Now there is no sickness that can stand against the power of God. There is not death that can stand against the power of God. There is not uncleanness or sin that can stand against the power of God. There is no demon or principality or ruler of darkness that can stand against the kingdom of God. He says, as you go, proclaim that the kingdom is near. This is what that means. Okay, this makes it, I'll make it super easy. This is what that means. All you have to do is plant the seed. You're not the kingdom. You just have to announce that the kingdom is near. It's not your job to raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out demons. You just got to announce that the kingdom is here. And when Jesus shows up, things happen. The impossible becomes possible. Friends, it's not as hard as we think it is. You just got to shine. You got to open up your life and live generously. When, when, when Amazon Prime comes to my house, like usually on the second or third time of the day, because my wife has a problem, uh... And then I found out they sell hunting gear, and now I have a problem. It's so, uh, like, hey, that's my package, that's my package. They, they, one time, they, they sent me the wrong thing that I had ordered. And um, I, I, didn't, I didn't get real mad at the Amazon Prime delivery guy. I went straight to the manufacturer because they sent me the wrong thing. So I had to go, I had to, go to the source. The delivery guy, he didn't know what to do. All he saw was the note that says, leave on porch. Do you know that's your only job? is to leave on porch. What if God doesn't heal? What if God doesn't raise from the dead? What if God doesn't? That's not your job. You're not the manufacturer. You are the messenger. And this is what Paul says. He says, I don't want wasted effort. I want you to come with me. I want you to experience kingdom life with me. I'm telling you, friends, I know this isn't popular, but this is old school theology. This is called, we've got to win souls. There are people out there that need to know that Jesus loves and Jesus saves. And before anything else, we've got to share the good news. I don't have my master's in theology. You don't need it. You need a master in practicality, which is plant the seed. Plant the seed. The Bible says one plants, one waters, and God makes it grow. So my job is to plant the seed. So I, I wrote down the, like three, three levels of practicality for this week. Okay, you want like real practical? This is going to be really practical. Beginner level. Ready? Beginner level. Invite one person to come with you to church next Sunday. It's beginner. Okay, so if you do that one, I'm proud of you. That's great. That's beginner level. If you're ready to go like, like next level, all in, invite one person to come with you to church next Sunday and ask the Holy Spirit to bring one person into your life this week to share Jesus with. Okay, now there's a difference. One is, hey, come to church with me. Sit with me. It's easy. That's easy. This is, I want you to actually share Jesus with somebody. Share the good news. Plant a seed. Share about how Jesus saved you. You remember what it was like to not have Jesus? Sometimes we got to remember. Do you remember what it was like to be lost? Do you remember what it was like to be hopeless? Tell somebody that he gave you purpose, that he set you free. Share Jesus. That's the second level. There's another level. The, the third level. And, and if you're really all in, you're just all three this week, all right? Just full sweep. Ask the Holy Spirit 
just show you one person in your day-to-day life that needs prayer that you can ask to pray with right then. And now I'm not talking about that churchy prayer. And I don't, I don't like this like, hey, Pastor, I've been praying for you. I like to ask this, when? What'd you pray? You know, people say that all the time, like, praying for you. What'd you say? Was it Friday? Was it, how long did you pray? What'd you pray for? You praying that I die? Or you praying like, I mean, like, is it good stuff? This, what I'm talking about is like the, like the woman at Wells Fargo. You see the need. It's the, be, it's the best opportunity for evangelism. You see a need and you inquire. You know, Jesus talked with stories and he always asked questions. He says, if you want to run the race to win, you can't finish alone. Your neighbors, Lord knows I need help with that. I got to reach out to my neighbors. I try to like never see my neighbors, to be totally honest. I, I like duck in the house fast. I can see him coming. I'm like, no, that's 30 minutes. Been there five years. He's only got me twice. I, I, I've, got, I've got to reach out to my neighbors. Find the need and ask them, can I pray for you right now? So then the follow-up question, what if nothing happens? Not your responsibility. All you have to do is announce the kingdom has come and let it go. You have no idea. I'm believing that woman at Wells Fargo was so touched by the power of God. I'm believing two things. One, her knee was healed. And secondly, she has my name. She has my info because she started my account. She's going to hunt me down and ask about Jesus. I, I, I have full confidence that God deposited something in her heart. And maybe it's not me. Maybe she has a friend that's a Christian that's been living a life that's an example. And because she got touched by Jesus at Wells Fargo while she was working, now she goes to that Christian and she says, hey, can I come to church with you? And it might not even be this church. And that doesn't even matter. Because it's the body of Christ. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you. This is how you run the race to win. Not Dustin finishing the race by himself, but Dustin and Jamie and Jude and Genesis and y'all and my, my neighbors and uh, all of us running to win because we finished together. I'm not trying to finish alone. I'm running to win, but I'm finishing together. Does it make sense? All in.